Ebullient greetings. I'm your host, Jackie Bird of Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness, your guide to stress and anxiety relief, mindfulness, awareness, self-care, self-love, and personal growth. Welcome and thank you for joining me as we roll with peace in mind. Today's riff is Are You On The Right Train? Riding On The Urge. These episodes feature people who are doing their thing, they follow their heart and their passion, and they create how they want, what they want, when they want, and they are riding on the right train. Today's spotlight is Zazel Ogara Shava. Before I bring my guest on, I want to tell you guys about some stuff coming up for me this month. February 7th, I have a workshop, I Am the Self That I Esteem. It's a guided meditation and writing workshop. If you are listening to this after February 7th, visit my website, join my mailing list. I have workshops coming up in the future. The next one after February 7th is the end of the month. I have end of the month guided meditations. Those are 30 minutes. That is February 28th, 1 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. PST Time, 6 p.m. in the UK, 7 p.m. in Europe. All sessions are virtual. Visit JackieBirdSpiritualWellness.com for tickets and further information. You know, the thing I always say whenever I have a guest is that I'm I'm geeked up. But, <laughs> but it's true. It, it's like everybody that I get to speak to, whether I know them or not, I'm just very excited to present what they bring um, to you, the listeners, so you you get to, to meet new people. And I am like, again, geeked up as I always say, to have Zazel on, girl, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh man, you know, I we were just talking briefly about the last time we saw each other. I'm thinking I hadn't seen you in about 20 years, no. but you reminded me yes. that we had a we had a pass through. Yeah. At BAM. At BAM, so like, yeah. And I maybe, yelled your name out, and you were there with your mom. Yeah. And, you know, it was brief, but I was so happy to see you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that I would say that's about six years ago. Probably. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. So as I always do, I always say my guest name, but I want you to introduce yourself and tell us where you're from. We'll start with that. Okay. So my name is Zizel Shava O'Gara. I was raised here in New York City, Queens, New York. But my heritage is from the Caribbean. I'm from a small um, West Indian Caribbean island, Montserrat, which only oh. has 5,000 people on it. Wow. You know, yeah. I, it's funny because I don't know if I knew that. And, and it's like in the back somewhere in, in the memory banks that I, I, mm -hmm. I hadn't tapped, that, but that you were from Montserrat. And, and matter of fact, how is that island doing? Well, um, just briefly, um, Montserrat had originally had 12,500 people. Mm -hmm. And then in 1995, the volcano blew and uh, it devastated, absolutely devastated half of the island. I mean, the town, everything is gone. It looked like a, it looks like a nuclear bomb went off. Mm -hmm. And you go there and all you see is just ash buried all over the place. And you just see pigs and, and 
cows and chickens running all over the devastated side of the island. My family's home was um, actually buried underneath the ash. And when I first went there, I saw it and I saw the, just the roof, just the roof. And it was buried underneath the ash, which is amazing. And then you go to certain, I mean, it's not a big island, it doesn't have that many beaches, but some of the beaches on the devastated side, all of the trees are burnt. They're just gone. So it looks freaky, but now there's about 5,000 people there. Um, the people have returned because um, being that Montserrat is colonized by Britain, many people went to England or went to Canada or came here to the U.S. So mm. some of them are returning and they're trying to build up the island now. They built a new airport. They have wow. one luxury hotel, but everyone is doing like bed and breakfasts now, you know, beautiful oh, really? villas that they have. And some people like retirees are building homes there because they like the isolation. So, so uh, well, one thing I would say is folks, you know, those of you that travel, check out Montserrat, you know, because one way of- and There's no COVID on Montserrat right now. <laughs> oh, sookie, sookie. So let's say that again, COVID free Montserrat. Yeah, That's how no you help the people by going <laughs> and being a tourist. Go, go to these bed and breakfasts and support the locals. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And there's a beautiful volcano observatory that you could go there and just look out and see the um, the volcano and the Safria. The Safria is absolutely beautiful because the sand on the uh, on the beaches is black, and where the Safria is, it's just like warm, beautiful, you know, um, water that you could go and people go there for healing. Hmm. It's natural healing. It's wonderful. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, folks. You traveling, folks, check out Montserrat. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, like um, you know, the closest I ever saw remotely resembling that is parts of Hawaii. Oh, where yeah. Like, you know, maybe what the moon looks like with these craters and things like that. So, I mean, in terms of like, if you really want something different, <laughs> go, go, yeah, go. Absolutely go. It's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a tranquil island. There's not much to do there. <laughs> I mean, you okay. can just sit outside you know we sit outside and we have the local food and you know everyone drinks rum rum is just like drinking kool-aid <laughs> you rum drinking folks go to Montserrat. i love checking out the local cuisine if you're let's say uh vegan or vegetarian or even a pescatarian what do you recommend okay so the island is beautiful i mean everyone has the fresh fruits and vegetables i mean i could go to the tree and get the coconut and the breadfruit <laughs> and the mangoes and the ginup and all that and you know wow. a lot some of the rastas that are there um they plant their own vegetables however because everyone is so i mean america has impacted the island the, the people that are young, they don't want to eat the vegetables. They don't want to grow their vegetables. Oh so what they God. do pre-COVID is just take the ferry or the plane and travel to Antigua and buy packaged vegetables. Packaged. <laughs> because they want to be American. It's crazy. No, stop. Everyone, like everyone on the island drives Jeeps and everyone has cell phones. I'm like, why do you need a cell phone? All you have to do is say, come home for dinner. And <laughs> you, can hear, you can hear them. I mean, what do you need a cell phone for? 
Wow. But you know what, Zizel, that that's interesting in terms of, um, you know, and it happens with each generation, each generation, because I remember, you know, when we were young folk thinking we knew everything, you, you tend to want to discard what the elders know. And yeah. then when you find yourself approaching elderhood, you go, oh, crap. You know, I wished I had talked to grandma. I'm going to jump to what do you currently do? And then I'm going to take you back. Right now, um, I started a physically integrated dance company in, in about 2012, 2013. And a physically integrated dance company means that it's a dance company that, that has persons with disabilities or mixed abilities, you know, so mm. some of my dancers have disabilities or one or two have are, are not disabled. Um, I started it six years ago in 2013 because I became disabled. I celebrated my 18th year um, wow. uh, on Tuesday. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, um, which left me partially paralyzed on my right side. You know, of course, it was devastating. But because of my spirit, my attitude, and my love for the arts, I didn't let that stop me. I mean, it, it was devastating, you know, when I heard about it. I mean, it really changed my life. However, my mother at the time, she was elderly, and I only have one older sister, and I didn't want to be a burden on my family. So I really forced myself to, you know, get better. And one of which was after my surgery, three weeks after my surgery, or three or four weeks after my surgery, I was in rehab. My family sent for me to go to Montserrat for the healing. And I went to Montserrat for about two weeks and there I was, you know, paralyzed and, and you know, taking my medication, whatever. And, and no one is sick on the island, no one. No one is sick. If you're elderly, you could be sick. But because it's such a beautiful, natural island, you don't see people with diseases. You just don't. Mm -hmm. I stayed with my aunt who was at that time, I think she was like 96 and she was very healthy. You know, she had wow. one eye from cataract surgery, but that was it. And she drank, <laughs> you know, she drank her liquor every night. It's the I, rum, it's the rum, I tell you. No, she had her scotch every night at six o'clock. <gasps> I would pour out her glass of scotch and Coca-Cola and she would sit there and watch Wheel of Fortune every night, <laughs> two glasses of scotch and totally healthy, vibrant. Wow. So I went down there and, uh, you know, with the cane and my brace and, you know, trying to rehab. And my cousins were like, okay, go to the seawater, go to the seawater, go to the ocean. Mm. And they put me in the ocean and made me walk through the ocean. And with the, and they put sand on my head because I had like a huge, huge scar and the seawater, the salt, the sunshine, and the sand took away the scar. I mean, I still have a small scar, but the huge scar that I had absolutely disappeared because of the natural healing. Mm -hmm. And then um, my cousin buried me in the sand. And this is better than physical therapy. He buried me in the sand and made, my, made me lift my leg, to try to lift my leg. And the wow. weight of the sand really helped my mobility. Yes. So when I left the island and came back to see my neurosurgeon, he looked at my head and he's like, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. <laughs> You've never seen anything but, like that before. But what is, is so empowering about that story 
to me is that we have more power than we give ourselves credit for. We think that the power belongs to, you know, and I'm not downing the medical profession, please don't think that at all, y'all. But I think that we, we put a lot of power and faith into people outside of us. Absolutely. And we don't naturally seek natural healing to at least accompany whatever Absolutely. medical route yeah. that we I, I mean, we I'm totally to. into holistic medicine. I love holistic mm -hmm. medicine, but I mm -hmm. think you have to combine it with regular med medicine. You mm -hmm. have to go see your doctors, but if you do the two, mm -hmm. I think you're, you're fine. But that yeah. natural healing really helped me. Going to the ocean, that, that salt water, and, and then I would go there and meditate. You know, it's not like going to meditation, y'all. Meditation, meditation, right? It's not like going to Jones Beach or to the Jersey Shore and you're there with like 10,000, 15,000 people. Um, right. you have to pay, pay like ten dollars or fifteen dollars to get on the beach. I go to the beach and I could be butt naked and be by myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, because the thing about places like that, there's the, the energy, the earth energy is is very powerful Absolutely. you know when you seek out places like that like jones beach you know if that's the only place you can go fine but there's a there's a a, a sacredness to places that you know that energy can just come through you as opposed Absolutely. to going to some places very crowded where you've got all these different energies yeah with all and, and you know and what was so beautiful about it after my surgery was that I would sit there on the beach and then sit on the rock and I would just look at the sun that, you know, the beaming hot sun and that beautiful sky and the ocean. And, you know, you just had, I had the opportunity just to think about my life and where I was at and, and what I could do with my life and how to heal myself. Mm. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a beautiful experience. Thank you for sharing that um, yeah. because, you know, particularly now where people are isolated and maybe can't travel, you know, you still have to find how to bring that into your, into your, your being space, that yeah, energy, absolutely. you know, because so, as you describe it, I can see the sun and the rock and yeah. the ocean. So folks, you know, those of you that are feeling isolated and alone, the, you got this. Yeah. And this your is mind. a powerful, powerful, your mind powerful, so powerful, so, so powerful. Yeah. It can bring you out of, you know, you know, being in COVID and dealing with the, this pandemic. I mean, many people have had problems, you know, staying inside. You know, there's so many people who go to bars every night who have to have a drink or just like the, the you know, interacting with people. And when they don't have that interaction, you know, they don't know what to do. They don't like to listen to their own mind. And, and that's what this podcast is all about. Roll with peace in yeah. mind. Yeah, you have it, to. It, you, have you have to, to be able to tap that. To, you know, I had a friend of mine who um, told me about a retreat. Um, I think it's upstate New York where you go and you meditate and you're not allowed to talk. Yes. You're not allowed to talk to anyone. Yes. Many people could not do that because mm -hmm. you're listening to your own mind. And sometimes you don't like what your mind is telling you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I suffer from that. I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't like hearing that, you know, thinking about that. But you have to listen to your mind. But the fact that you're even aware 
of those thoughts going, okay, I don't like thinking like that. The moment that you become aware is the moment that you can make shifts. You know, as long as you're unaware and you're just allowing things to spin, that's what drives you to being stressed out and anxious and depressed and all of those things. So I want to back up and just talk a little bit about what you were doing prior to this major, major transitional shift in your life. (laughs) Well, you know, I was always a dancer and a model and, you know, I had, I was, uh, what, 38? 37 or 38 and I had been experiencing having symptoms of the brain tumor and I didn't know really? that it was a brain tumor. I, I had been experiencing symptoms for like five years at least. Really? What kind yeah. of symptoms were you experiencing? Well, complete fatigue. I mean, I couldn't keep my eyes open. I mean, I could be walking okay. down the street and sleeping at the same time. I just could mm. not keep my eyes open. And that was the first thing that happened. And the second thing was my handwriting started to change. Like I couldn't write my name. It was just like, what's going on? I couldn't write, there was something wrong with my handwriting. And then I started to get like a tingling feeling in my arm. It's like this weird tingling feeling in my right arm. So I went to the doctor, I was telling them what was going on. I'm like, uh, you know, I can't stop sleeping. I'm totally fatigued. I said, my handwriting is changing. There's something wrong with my handwriting. And then maybe the third year I I had a seizure, but I didn't know it was a seizure. I was at an audition actually. This was funny, (laughs) I mean, not funny, funny, but I was at an audition for a commercial, right? And I'm sitting there and they called me in the room. And as he says, slate your name, a surge, like this electrical surge just comes from my stomach and goes through my head, like shoop. And I couldn't talk. And you know, I lost my I lost my speech. And he said, Zazelle, Zazelle, slate your name. <laughs> and I'm just standing there and I kept a smile on my face and I couldn't talk. And then I, I bent over, you know, just to try to make him lose, you know, focus, not to focus on me, like I was, looking on my leg or something. And I felt like a piece of SHIT. I mean, I just felt like horrible because my I, the words were not in my mouth. And then after maybe about two, three minutes, everything came back and the sweat was pouring down my face. Of course, I didn't get the audition. I didn't get the commercial. <laughs> oh my goodness. But did he even recognize that there was something not quite right? No, no, because I just, I just stood there like this, you know, with this smile on my face and he didn't know. Yeah, what but that's still on. something not right. So yeah. I'm going to say, folks, we have to be more aware of each other, you know, because it's like, you know, that's a fast paced world at that, that auditioning, you know, yeah, grind, that grind. So fast because you're in there like for five minutes, right? Yeah. You're like, state your name. Okay. Read the lines, boom, boom, boom. And that's it. It's a factory. You're yeah. in, you're out. The next yeah, actor yeah, in, yeah. out. But we have to be aware enough of each other to be able to sense that there's something not quite Right, uh, right. You, you know, but you know, you know, the the hunger you have for those commercials. I mean, you have a hunger. No, but I'm talking about from the casting director's point of view. No, I mean, he did not recognize anything. Yeah, that that's what mm. I'm talking about. Because I understand your your you know your your objective was to get the job. Right. But I'm saying <laughs> that you know, if, if, at that level, you've got professional actors coming in. These are not you know people that are just you know, getting their feet wet. These are people that are, are coming in, you know, and and if there's a pause like that, you got to check and see, is that person okay? No, he You're didn't right? say anything. He didn't, 
<laughs> I forgot what <laughs> casting director it was, but he didn't say a word. And I kind wow. of stumbled through it, you know, stumbled through the audition and just left. And I walked out of there and I'm like, I feel like a piece of shit. Excuse my French. <laughs> wow. No, cursing is... Matter of fact, I just watched um, The History of Swear Words last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes so... <laughs> you got to use them. Sometimes, I mean, that was yeah. how I felt. I felt like a piece of shit. No, that, so, that, that describes it. So then what happened after that? Well, then the symptoms kept having, you know, I kept getting the seizures, you know, I would, I would particularly when I worked out, like I would go to the gym and I'd be on the treadmill and I'm running and all of a sudden I would get the seizure, you know, I'd ha have mm. that, you know, surge, electrical surge go through me. And uh, finally, I couldn't take this um, fatigue any longer. And um, I went to see uh, my gynecologist. That was the last doctor I went to see. And I told her what was happening. I said, you know, I just feel strange. And I'm getting these sensations and um, I'm totally fatigued. And, you know, this, this weird feeling from my feet to my stomach to, to going through my head. And she's like, well, maybe you're going through a hormonal imbalance. Mm -hmm. um, and she's like, have you tested for HIV? I'm like, listen, test me for everything. I do not care what's going on. I want to find out what's happening. Mm -hmm. So she get, gave me all the tests. And then she said, I'm going to put you on birth control pills to regulate your hormones, you know? And I said, okay, sure. I've never been on birth control pills before, but I'll try them. Mm -hmm. And that's what did it. Those birth control pills gave me those seizures like every two seconds. It totally, oh you know, because the hormones affect your brain. Right. So I remember telling my mom, mom, I feel like I'm in Pluto. There's just something going on. I just feel like totally out of sorts. And she said, okay, well, we'll go to the doctor. And mm -hmm. it was right around Christmas time. And then Christmas day hit and we had dinner and um, I'm with my sister in New Jersey. And I'm telling her, I feel really strange. There's something going on. And she's like, oh, let's go out to the um, hospital uh, in Jersey because she lives in Jersey. And um, I said, okay, sure. And then she got tired and didn't really want to take me. She's like, do you still want to go? I said, yeah, I feel really out of it. So we went to the hospital, St. Barnabas Hospital in West Orange, New Jersey. Uh -huh. And it was like luxury. I mean, there was no one in the emergency room, which is like wow. unheard of here in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> So I went and I told them everything that was going on and they gave me a battery of tests. And when I came out, they were like, well, we found nothing. You know, we don't see anything wrong with you. And I said, really? I said, but I'm really, I'm, I said, I'm kind of dizzy. They said, you're dizzy? Okay, let's give you an MRI. So they gave me the MRI and I'll never forget this. I get out of the MRI, which was like, you know, 20 minutes or so, whatever. and the nurse comes to me, we said, we need to take some blood from you. And when we take the blood, um, go into the waiting room. I said, oh, okay. And then she said, here, take these pills. And the pills were Xanax. And Xanax, you know, just kind of chills you out, right? So I gave the blood, took the Xanax and went into the room. And as I'm sitting there, a doctor walks in and she sits down and says, I have to tell you something. You have a massive mass on your brain, um, a brain tumor. And, um, I, you know, I didn't react because I was on the Xanax. 
Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay, whatever. And my sister broke out into tears. She just like freaked out. She broke out into tears and she called my mother. And then like a whole slew of doctors walked in after that, maybe like six. And they're telling me, okay, we have to put you in, in, in the intensive care. You have to do this, you have to do that. And they're asking me all these questions. I'm like, oh my God. And then um, my sister calls her friend and tells her to bring her, uh, um, you know, something to ease her mind. And um, she calls my mother, tells my mom. And then the next day I'm in intensive care and my whole family comes, you know, like my cousins and my mom, my sister. And I'm in the room, I have all these tubes attached to me, heart, all these tubes, whatever. And the neurosurgeon came into the room and he says, okay, the entire family has to leave except for her immediate family. So my mother and my sister stayed and one of my cousins who works at, um, who's a nurse. And mm-hmm. so there was only maybe about five of us in the room. And he said, well, she has a massive brain tumor and she has to have immediate surgery. And this tumor is, this surgery is gonna be a little difficult because where the tumor was located, it was behind my left ear and they could not, they didn't think they can get the entire tumor out. So he said, it's going to cause her um, partial paralysis. Hmm. Um, she might have a paralysis on her face, um, possible blindness. <laughs> and uh, he and he said it was just like this, you know, dull <laughs> voice. It's like, this is it. He just like threw it all out there. And I saw the machine change because I started, you know, hyperventilating a little bit. But I didn't want to start crying. I started hyperventilating. And um, I said to him, you know what? I'm going to be like Lance Armstrong. I'm going to be a survivor. I'm going to fight this. And he just looked at me like, what the hell is she talking about? (laughs) So um, after that, I checked out of the hospital the following day because my cousin worked at, um, he worked at NYU Medical. And he had a contact with one of the neurosurgeons, one of the top neuro, neurologists wow. rather, at the hospital. And he sent me there. And that doctor saw me with no health insurance. He told me, you don't have to use your health insurance. He saw my MRI and uh, he said, okay, yeah, this brain tumor is huge. Mm-hmm. And you definitely need the surgery, but the doctor, the new neurosurgeon at St. Barnabas is excellent. So you don't have to worry about anything. You should go back and have the surgery. Mm. So at that time I did <laughs> get my whole life together. However, another key thing to say was right before the, that year, you know, I had always been on, um, uh, SAG health insurance. I always had SAG health insurance. That's the, let me just interject for a second. For those of you don't, that don't know, uh, Screen Actors Guild, SAG, it's now, what is it, after SAG it's now? SAG after, but, yeah. But that's the, the, the union for film and now television. Right. And so if you've made a, you know, a threshold of money in that particular year, you qualify. It's very coveted. It's insurance. very coveted. And I had my, I was proud to say I had SAG health insurance for over 10 years. Oh girl, you go now. That's, that's, yeah, that's a hard, for those in the profession, that's a hard hard. one to get. 
Yeah, it's very hard to qualify for it. Very, and it's even worse now, but we won't even get to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but prior to that, there was a union strike, right? So I hadn't booked anything, right? So when I got diagnosed with the tumor, I'll never forget this, it was December 27th. My health insurance was over December 31st. <laughs> and so I called the uh, Actors Fund and I said, right. well, listen, um, I just got diagnosed with brain tumor. <laughs> And uh, I have to have this surgery. And you know, that's like a $500,000 surgery. I mean, no joke. And they said, well, we'll help you. And the they, Actors Fund, and I got to interject the here too. The Actors Fund, I'm shouting y'all out. Bless y'all, the work bless. that you do to help actors. I have had to go there a few times myself. Yes, <laughs> they are the they are gods. They are the gods. Actors Fund, <laughs> they are gods. They are gods, absolute gods. And they said, don't worry about anything. Oh. And, you know, I think I, I had a social worker there who was just amazing, yeah. amazing. And I checked into the hospital the following day. I had no problems with my health insurance. Mm. I stayed in the hospital after my surgery. I had an 11 and a half hour surgery. They had to give me anesthesia four times because the surgery was so long. Wow. And um, fortunately for me, when he came out and talked to my family, he said that we were able to get the entire tumor out. Oh, man. Yes. So I didn't have to go through radiation. So that was good. However, waking up, I was completely paralyzed, you know, which is mm. kind of shady. Completely paralyzed? On my right side. You know, totally wow. paralyzed on my right side. And my speech was a little impaired. But I'll never forget when I woke up, you know, I had all the bandages on my head and, you know, covering my eye and everything. And the nurse was like, wake up. You know, she was tapping me, tapping me. And I said, mirror, mirror, mirror. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> vain, vain, vain. That's the actor. That's the actor. That's the actor. See, when I went outside, I get my next commercial. <laughs> I, yes. I, don't have, yeah. I don't have time to be looking bad. I gotta yeah. do it. Yeah. She said, Real no, quick, I, I gotta think... pull it up. Yeah, she's like, no, I don't think you need to see a mirror. I said, no, oh, mirror, mirror. And she's like, really? And so she handed me <laughs> the mirror. And all I did was look at my face. And I said, okay, it's not paralyzed, it's swollen. It's seriously swollen. But it wasn't paralyzing. That's all I wanted to see. I said, okay, you can take it away. Take it away. <laughs> oh my God. You were like, little makeup will fix that. <laughs> I'm going to my audition next week. <laughs> yeah. It's a sickness. It is a sickness. It is a sickness. The vanity could kill you. I mean, it really is. The vanity, man, you know, because it's it's about what you look like. It what is. Do you it's look what, like? what you look like. It is. It's true. And I'll never forget when I was laying in the um, bed in the hospital, I was looking at the television. I'm like, oh my God, I could have booked that. <laughs> see, that, see, this is what I mean about showbiz folk. How do I know this? Because I was a showbiz folk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's always, yeah. It's like on your mind constantly. It's constantly, constantly. However, one of the beautiful things about what happened was, it was the first time in my life that I ever got to rest. 
the first time, I mean, my mind was clear. And there I was in the hospital, you know, I'm not thinking about money. I'm not thinking about auditioning. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not thinking about survival, you know, how to pay my bills or anything. It was the first time that I could rest. You know, my mind was free of everything. And um, although I knew I had a different life, mm -hmm. I accepted it because God gave me back my life. I was still alive. You know, that thing of acceptance, you know, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle. In his book, The Power of Now, he says you have three choices in life. If there's a situation that you are unhappy about, you can either change it, leave it, or accept it. Right. Anything else is insanity. And I remember Anything when else. I read that, it, you know, it, it, I had to stop for a minute because, it, it, you know, because, you know, the doubting Thomas is going, what do you mean? But then when I thought about that in terms of having peace and creating peace in your life, if you can't change the situation, if you can't leave the situation, you can either go crazy about it or you can accept it. And acceptance doesn't mean that you, you like it, but it means that you have made peace with the situation. Absolutely. And... You know, to go through that, you know, being a dancer, you know, you're right. using your body and being a model, right. you know, right. I couldn't wear my stilettos anymore. I couldn't wear my shorts. I mean, I could wear the short skirts, but, you know, I wasn't the, the femme fatale that I was before. And um, that's huge. I mean, many, many people suffer from depression when they have, you know, get any kind of chronic illness, particularly mm -hmm. if you go through a brain tumor or a stroke. But, the good thing about my tumor, I'm not gonna say good thing about the, my tumor, but my tumor was benign. It wasn't malignant. Okay. However, it still left me with significant side effects. I mean, mm -hmm. I had to go through occupational th therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, cognitive therapy, because, mm -hmm. you know, I have a half a brain now. I mean, I don't have the whole working, <laughs> working brain. Mm -hmm. So I did extensive, um, after my uh, uh, surgery at St. Barnabas, I went to Kessler, which is an amazing rehab facility. Just amazing. That's what Christopher Reeves was at. Was amazing. Okay. And I stayed there for a month and my therapy was just absolutely incredible. And they loved me there because of the fact that I was a dancer. I would mm -hmm. be in my wheelchair and I'd lift my leg up. You know, I would stretch and then I'd go into occupational therapy and I would say, push me down, push my chest down to the floor, lift my leg all the way back up. And they, they had never seen anything like that before. They yeah. thought I was unusual. And, yeah. you know, they were they had a bar, like a ballet bar. And I'd say, lift my leg up, put me a leg up on the bar. And they're like, are you serious? So they would keep me there longer than the other patients because I was like a freak. <laughs> <laughs> They were trying to figure you out, but but through through this story that you've shared with us, what is prevalent to me is your spirit. You came to a, a point where you realized that there were, first of all, the fact that you were able to rest for the first time and having accepted the situation, but in accepting the situation, like people think when you accept something, it means you lay down. No, no. you are still looking to how do you make the best of the situation in which that you, you are in. 
well, how do you how do you make the best of that? Yeah, that's what I, that sounds I, like you were when doing. I say to many persons who have gone through this, or you know, who had a chronic illness like MS, or had a stroke, or or anything that is just is just a, a, a difficult illness to deal with, is that you particularly when I was in rehab and I met several people who have had strokes or brain tumors or anything, and they put you on suicide watch when you go in first. Mm. They put you on suicide watch. Wow. Um, is that you cannot compete with your old self. Boy, you got to make sure you come back next week to hear part two of this fabulous woman's story. Zazel, thank you so much for taking part. And there's some stuff coming up for her. Her company has a performance February 26th at 7.30. It's called Poetic Moves, and it is in celebration of Black History Month. Make sure you head it on over to her website, zcodanceproject.com. There is a link there for the YouTube information. Make sure that you head on over to her website so you can keep up with what classes are being offered and workshops and be aware of what performances are coming down the pike. Again, be sure to come back next week and hit up part I hope that you enjoyed that and was thoroughly, thoroughly inspired and uplifted by what you heard. If you are in a situation currently that is unfulfilling to you, be it a job or a career you've been pursuing, and you feel like there's something else that you really want to do or you already know what that is, get quiet, sit still, breathe in and out deeply and begin to envision what that is that you wish to create. And remember, there's nothing too big. It's only small ideas. Think big and write that down. What is it that you wish to create? Write it down, put it in your phone, speak it out loud to people that are supportive of you. And go for it, go for it. Don't delay, start now, even if you plot in your mind what your escape plan is going to be but go for it. This life is meant to be lived to the fullest. Take advantage, no matter what is happening in your life right now, there can always be room to create more. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to visit JackieBirdSpiritualWellness.com. Join my mailing list. I've got workshops coming up, as I mentioned earlier in the program. I have audiobooks, guided meditation videos, and audio and meditation music, everything for inspiration and to help you relieve stress, increase your mindfulness and awareness and presence. And remember to always roll with peace in mind.